Now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. From the letter of Paul to the Romans this morning. I'm sure you all know the name Rip Van Winkle. You remember the story of Rip Van Winkle. It's a story written by Washington Irving, and um, it's a story about a colonial Dutch settler in the 18th century uh, living in the Catskills of, of New York. And uh, one day he wandered off into the mountains with his dog. He met some hospitable people, and he drank their potion that they gave him and fell asleep for 20 years, during which time the Revolutionary War happened. When he awoke, he was confused and unsettled. He wandered back into his village, and among other signs that he had slept through some very important events, he saw on the inn sign, the sign at the local inn in the village, that the figure of King George III had been replaced by the figure of George Washington. He had slumbered through a revolution and a change of rulers. Sleep is a prominent uh, image in the Bible for spiritual inattentiveness, missing out on the really big thing that's happening in your life. Drowsiness is a biblical motif for those who are insensible to God and what God is doing or preparing to do. You can think of the disciples who fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was arrested just unaware, unable to see that they were living in the very climax of the gospel. They fell asleep, and Jesus had to say to them, why are you sleeping? Could you not stay awake one hour with me? The reverse biblical image is to become awake, to come into sight, to have eyes open. We think of stories where Jesus healed men who were Blind. We think of Paul after his conversion experience. We're told that the, the scales fell from his eyes. He could see. He was awake. Now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. Well, today is the 1st of December. Day is also, as you know, um, the first Sunday of Advent. So we enter into that holy season in this month of the winter solstice, the darkest time of the year in our hemisphere, the nighttime hours at their longest when animals hibernate and people tend to sleep longer. And I want to suggest to you that this day, not the first of December, but the first Sunday of a new Christian year, first Sunday of Advent, is like an alarm clock. Today is meant to be like an alarm clock. Our scripture readings paint a simple, vivid, and stark picture of the final judgment of God, when God will come again. Some will be awake and ready, and some will not be awake and ready. And I think the point here is not that some are going to be found innocent and others found guilty. Rather, I think the point here is that some are watchful and expectant for God while others are simply asleep to God. And Paul says in that passage we heard that we fall asleep in darkness when we succumb to the preoccupations of the flesh and of this worldliness. 
So we might ask ourselves, what does that look like for us? Again, the letter to the Romans says, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers. What does that mean? Well, surely these verses express Paul's confident hope in Christ's second coming. But it also expresses a very simple fact. The day of our face-to-face encounter, the day of our face-to-face reckoning with Christ draws closer because with each breath we breathe, we are getting closer to our deaths. Wake up and ponder that, Paul might say to us. A similar message is heralded by Jesus uh, himself in the gospel reading today from Matthew. Keep awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. This section of Matthew's gospel comes at the very end of that story when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem right before his crucifixion, and it's filled with Uh, exhortations for Jesus' disciples to wake up and be watchful for what is just now about to unfold in the story, as well as to God's future promises, to wake up. What is that for us today, to wake up? I think that is the central question for Advent people. And here's the great irony. Here's the great irony for people like us Spiritual drowsiness, spiritual sleepiness does not exactly look like or feel like physical drowsiness. Indeed, spiritual slumber often masquerades as frenzied activity, unregulated desire and self-absorption, temptations that I know all too well in my own life. And I think our culture does a great job of testing our defenses against these temptations in this season of Advent, or what the culture calls the holiday season. 24 shopping days left till Christmas. Oh God, finish decorating the house. Here's the credit card. When do the in-laws arrive? Pour me another scotch. No. No, no, no. Now is the time to wake up from all that, from sleep. But here's another sign of spiritual lethargy, understandable as it may be. It often takes the form of despair. Despair. You may think the world is a mess. The prospects for improvement, anytime soon at least, seem fairly dim. You may look at your life like I look at my life and think, what's different from last Advent for me? I don't know that I've gotten any better. I may have gotten worse, certainly gotten older. Maybe you say, I just don't have any spiritual imagination or energy to to think about the future changing much, regardless of what the church says about the second coming the Lord's promised return. Yeah, I've heard that. I know all about that. Spiritual lethargy as despair, as stuckness. So maybe the temptation at this time of year for many of us is therefore not to look forward, but to look backward to some romanticized, nostalgic experience of Christmas past 
when it was easier to believe, when we were young, when the world seemed less cynical. Let's just return to a sentimental visit to the baby Jesus in the manger. Well, it may be startling for you to hear me say this. Advent is not about looking back to the birth of the baby Jesus. Advent, rather, is being awakened to hope for what God is still planning, still preparing for your future and for mine and for the world's. Now listen, we clergy, we often feel like liturgical Grinches this time of year when many of you will ask, can we not sing Christmas carols in church in December before Christmas Day? And we have to say, no. And we are right. <laughs> Told you, doesn't feel good. Fleming Rutledge, a great Episcopal preacher and priest, reminds us that Advent in the church is a time when we should be on guard against mere nostalgia and orient ourselves forward. And she notes that 23 of the 24 Advent hymns in our Episcopal hymnal are about preparing to be alive to the future when God will come to us finally, at last, in Christ, the second coming. The promise of the church, the promise of St. Paul, the promise of Jesus is that God will return from the future to meet us, not the other way around. It's not that we can only get close to God, only make some progress toward God by getting our act together, trying harder, We've already confessed this morning how impossible that seems to be for us and sometimes how small our desire is for it anyway. No, God is getting closer to us with each day, with each breath. And so if that's true, if that's true, what would it mean for us to be watchful for it? I am entirely sold out to the biblical vision of the second coming, that day that is promised in the future when the final struggle with evil and death will be over once and for all, and all of us will be fully alive to God in every way. But I also want to say that I get the, the modern Christian's problem with the second coming. I really do. I don't think it's unreasonable to say well, if it hasn't happened in these past 2,000 years, it's probably not going to happen in my lifetime, so then I'm not really sure why I should care too much about it. What difference will it really make? I understand that. But I note that Jesus saying, keep awake, is a present imperative. The future promise, however far out it may be, however remote it may seem to you, for Jesus, it seems to matter now that we are watchful. Well, what if I told you, what if Jesus told you, that the spiritual disposition of watchfulness for the coming of God into our world is an act of hope that brings with it freedom, real freedom, freedom from despair that the future is doomed 
or that the future is up to you or to me or to the likes of us, or that the future ends when you die, when in fact there is so much more. What if I told you that to be Advent people is to be those who trust in the signs of the coming of God already, moving toward us? We're like people who are living in drought conditions. And then one day, lo, we hear the sound of a distant thunderstorm, and it seems to be getting closer. And then we hear the first patter of raindrops on the dry leaves of the trees before the deluge that we've been waiting for. We are living in that time in history. Again, I think the start of Advent is like an alarm clock going off for us. Somehow to be awakened to the reality that the world has a new ruler in Christ and that his reign is just beginning. Today, like Rip Van Winkle, we awake again to the reality that a revolution has taken place. A new ruler sits above us. But also, like Rip Van Winkle, we have only just begun to understand what this will mean for our futures. Spiritual watchfulness, being awake, is to cast our weary eyes out for signs that in spite of the world being terribly amiss, The Lord reigns, and God in Christ is not absent, does not leave his subjects without the resources to live fully abundant lives, and does not leave us orphaned to the future. He comes. And with a fresh hearing, this first day of the new church year, maybe, just maybe today, for you, for all of us, something awakens in us a kind of spiritual animation, a flicker of light shining in the darkness by which we see not only our world anew, but ourselves. Because what I want for all of us is to be in love with being fully awake to life, because we are only just beginning to experience God's love for us.